A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Dominic Guzman, pray for us. Venerable Father Gustav Tolton, pray for us. And on this nativity of our Blessed Mother Mary, we pray, Mary Most Innocent, pray for us. You know, the nativity of... Uh, the birthday, you know, I should say casually, uncasually, of Mama Mary is really one of the most unique feasts in our tradition. The mother of God, the Theotokos, was born, and we celebrate that day, right? And Pope Benedict the Sixteenth he remarked on the uniqueness of this feast, noting that it's proper that we break from tradition on this day and, and celebrate the day that one of our holy ones, um, you know, and typically in, in, in the Catholic tradition, we have that tradition where we, we celebrate that the day that our holy ones have passed from this life to the next. But Benedict was noting that it's proper that we celebrate, that we break from that tradition and celebrate on this day, the day when one of our holy ones was born into the world. Because, in the case of those who had passed, um, we the reason why you know we don't celebrate, like say the the birth of Saint Dominic de Guzman or the birth of Saint Teresa of Calcutta, is because it took us really it takes a lifetime to really discover whether we should either bless or curse. <laughs> <laughs> the day that a person is born. We, we just don't know when a person is born, whether, whether we should bless that day or curse that day. We don't know. But not such the case with the Blessed Mother Mary, is what Pope Benedict XVI was noting. That because she was conceived immaculately from the beginning, and it was through her womb that a space for God was created. So we celebrate the day that she was born. Our Mother Mary created for the light of the world so that God might gain access to the world and uniquely into our lives then and forever. And as the body of Mary was changed when God entered it, as bodies of women naturally do, and sometimes a husband, his body might change as well when his wife is pregnant, but naturally for women, her body changes when life enters it. So too was the world changed when God entered the world through her as a world might naturally change when the creator enters his creation. So this is why we celebrate only two feast days of saints or two saints whose, um, whose birthdays we celebrate. That's the blessed mother Mary and St. John the Baptist or St. John the Waymaker, as I like to call him. 
because it was their their lives were, were, were so uniquely set. They uniquely set their births so uniquely set the way for the birth of Christ Jesus to give life, to give new life. But Mary is so favored by God and called blessed among us that we celebrate even a day that she was conceived in the womb of her mother, St. Anne. Indeed, our, our holy disposition as Catholics toward our, towards our blessed mother, it, it should have been a lesson for the world on how to celebrate life from the moment of conception. The world should have been able to look upon Catholics and say, look, look how they celebrate the moment of conception. Look at how they celebrate birth. Look how they celebrate the death of their holy ones. We should be like them. But they did not. I mean, we even have a, we have a president of the United States right now who said just a few days ago that he does not believe that life begins at the moment of conception. And he was raised a Catholic. Well, if, if I would say this, if, if the life of our blessed mother, Mary, if the life of our savior and redeemer, if their life on earth did not begin at the moment of conception, well, when did it? See, this is the struggle against culture, the culture of death in our society. This is the struggle. This is our struggle, not only against abortion, but an entire culture that celebrates that they, they celebrate the denial of true life, which is our God given right. All sin is in opposition to life. And in this post-Christian society, it is a, it is sin that is celebrated. We celebrate sin in a post-Christian society. We don't celebrate true life. And in the liturgy of the Catholic mass, no prayer illustrates the Catholic disposition towards celebrating life more than the sorsum corda. That's the part of the mass. If you don't know these fancy Latin names, or as the part of mass, we say, lift up, lift up your hearts. The priest calls, he says, lift up your hearts. And we say, we lift them up to the Lord. That's the sorsum corda. And I'm about to offer exposition of that prayer with you. And that'd be the first half of the show. And in the second half, starting about the 20 minute mark, we're going to have Miss Anna Githens on. And we're going to have a conversation with her about the theology of the body. She's been, she's been academically trained in these things. So she's smart about these things. So we'll talk about, we'll talk with her about the theology of the body. In particular, how it is in response to, we can look at the theology of the body um, and, and see how it responds to a lot of what we are seeing in this post-Christian society. But we'll talk about a lot of things. And I'm looking forward to that. That's Miss Anna Githens um, on at about the 20 minute mark. So stay tuned for that. But first, let me tell you how happy I am that you tuned in this afternoon. And I pray that you know that Jesus truly does love you. He's truly there for you. And he truly wants you to invite him into every aspect of your life. It's, it's most especially those parts of your life where you don't think you need him. Right. Um, you know, those areas where, you know, sometimes at nighttime or in the morning or through the day, well, you know, we definitely reach out to Jesus and pray and say, Lord, help me here. Lord, help me there. And it's oftentimes those 
things, those areas that we've always been asking Jesus to help us with. But, but what about those areas where you don't ask Jesus for help, right? What are, what are those areas where you do not ask him to come into that you think you have it all together, right? So those are the places also that Jesus wants to be. He wants to be in every, he was, Jesus wants to be all up in our business, right? He wants, so he wants to be in every aspect of our life. So make sure you invite Jesus to all of your life. My producer is Miss Cecil Anderson. I call her, sometimes I call her Miss Anderson, you know, from the Matrix. And um, she has a funny story about that. Maybe she'll come on one day and we'll talk about that. And you can also see Cecil on the Guadalupe Radio Network show, Back to the Father, which airs Friday afternoons. Um, Dave Palmer, who's the general manager at the Dallas-Fort Worth station, he's the host of that show, and it's really good. Um, I tune in almost always. So if you want to call in and opine, please call in when Miss Anna Githens is in um, and talk some theology to body with her. And you can call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. And Cecil will get you on. And make sure you start every day listening to the Catholic Drive Time Show, which is the best morning show in all of Catholic radio. Um, has Joe McLean on there, who's a really smart guy, international speaker, Adrian Francesca, who's a Dominican. And they have a new co-host on as well, who I have to get to know. And that comes on a Guadalupe Radio Network, starts at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. But this is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. And also, um, even if you can't call in, you can also post comments on the YouTube where we're live streaming and on the Twitter and the Facebook. So, and I'm always looking for your comments there just in case you do comment. I'll be looking for you. So let's talk about the Sorsum Corda, which is Latin for lift up your hearts. Literally, it means hearts lift it up and it's really and it's not something that and it's in it's an amazing thing about the sorsum corda is that it's one of the oldest prayers in the catholic liturgy it's in every from from my research i've seen it in every catholic liturgy in in some form right whether it's eastern or western whether it's northern italian southern italian it's in all of our liturgies the sorsum corda and in my book, The Divine Symphony, which I know a lot of you guys may have looked at, The Divine Symphony, I, I talk about it in the context in that book, My Divine Symphony. I, I'm looking at the liturgy in the context of the classical symphony orchestra. And a classical symphony or orchestra has four movements. So does the liturgy, right? And I think people like Mozart and Hayden and the classical symphony orchestra composers were influenced by the liturgy in this way. And this is why you see a lot of interplay between the two. So I'm talking about that in my book. And in this context of the Sorsum Coda, I, I bring in what in the symphony orchestra, there's this thing that's important to know. Um, it's called periodic phrasing. And it's when two instruments speak to one another, right? One instrument will play a melody um, and another group of instruments will respond to those instruments and they'll go back and forth in this interplay, this dialogue between um, the orchestra and it's called periodic phrasing. And in the context of liturgy, we can call this the call and response, right? 
in the older liturgies, the call and response was often time between the priests and the deacons. Um, in the Novus Ordo, this call and response, this periodic phrasing is between the priest and the people. In the Eastern liturgies, the periodic phrasing or the call and response is also, um, oh, in the Latin, the older Latin rites is between the priest and the altar service, but in the Easterns, it's, it's, it's oftentimes between the, the priest and the deacon, right? But it's the same tradition. Back in, and so we first see this recorded in a writing called the Apostolic Tradition. And it was written by um, St. Hippolytus of Rome around 215 AD. And, and it's very, and it's nearly identical to what we see today in our liturgy. And it begins, it says, the deacons shall bring an offering to him, the bishop. Um, we're talking about a time when the bishop was typically the ordinary celebrant to the liturgy. So the deacons shall bring to him the offering and imposing his hand upon it, along with the priest, the presbyter, shall give thanks. And he says, the Lord be with you. And then says, all shall respond and with your spirit. The bishop then says, hearts aloft. Then the people respond, we keep them with the Lord. So the bishop says, hearts aloft. And the people say, we keep them with the Lord. Then the bishop says, let us give thanks to the Lord. And the people respond, it is right and just. Now, in the liturgy, there's two things that we do in the liturgy. We're either praying or confessing, praying or confessing. That's it. That's all we can do in the liturgy. We're to pray, we confess, pray, confess. Um, the Sorsum Coda in that family of dialogue is a, is a confession. It offers a confessional language. Okay. And, uh, and so let's, let's see, I guess we could just walk through it, right? We still have some time before and and um, get things coming. Let's, let's, so let's walk through the source of Coda real quick, and I'll give some exposition here and give some little bit of reflection. So let's start from the beginning. The Lord be with you, right? Now, for the Latin, some older Latin rites, you might hear that they have a longer version to the Lord be with you. They would say, may the love of God our Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, and the unity and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit be with you forever, right? Um, uh, and that's what, uh, that's what the Easterns would say, actually. The Easterns have that longer version. So, and so this is the opening of the Sorsum Coda. And the echo was St. John's farewell blessing to the church at Corinth. We wrote, um, St. Paul's blessing to the church at Corinth. We wrote, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love, uh, love and fellowship of God and the Holy Spirit be with you all, right? So it, it's, it follows that same language that we saw out of Paul in a letter to the Corinthians. So this more extended blessing is really not needed to be repeated in the Norvis order, right? Obviously, um, it seems to be more abbreviated. Um, but also because it was already also offered in the opening of the Mass, right? So then a response, um, the royal priesthood imparts their blessings on their priests. And they say, and with your spirit, right? So, if you notice in a liturgy, there's always a dynamic change of what's going on in a principal matter of the mass. Uh, every time that the priest says, and the Lord be with you, respond and with your spirit, something changes either at the beginning of the mass, 
at the reading of um, the beginning of the gospel. And now, right, that there's always a change. There's an escalation in what's going on in the mass. And again, this is a, in contrast or in um, similarity to what we see going on in a symphony orchestra. Right? There is this escalation, right, to this climax that we're awaiting. And so notice that every time you're at the liturgy, you should do this as a practice, right? Uh, pay attention in the liturgy every time that the priest says, and the Lord be with you. Notice, notice, look around, see what's changing, who's standing, who's sitting, what has changed at the altar. There's always something going on. And it's one of those things that can help you always pay attention and not fall asleep or get lost in the liturgy. Start thinking about your groceries or start thinking about the football game this Sunday, right? So then what happens next in the Sorsum Coda? Well, the priest raises his hands and he implores us. He says, lift up your hearts. And we agree with him. We say we lift up, we lift them up to the Lord. And we put ourselves in doing so, we put ourselves in union with the prophet Jeremiah, who wrote in Lamentations 341. He said, let us lift up our hearts as well as our hands towards God in heaven. And this is like I like at mass sometimes, and this is proper to do. It's fine to do at mass if you just if you make just a a a, a very conservative um, acknowledgement of what's going on. And sometimes you see this with people who acknowledge the holy name of Jesus. Whenever the name of Jesus Christ is said, if you look around at mass, sometimes there's people who you know bow their heads slightly, all right, just conservatively, not to draw a lot of attention or to make a um, um, do anything dramatic, right? But sometimes, you know, it's at mass when we say lift up our, our hearts, you know, as people may bring their hands together and slightly lift them up, right? Because that's what Jeremiah did. Let us lift up our hearts as well as our hands to God in heaven. And that's what's going on at the mass. So, and it's really at this moment at the mass when the people in God incorporate their whole body into divine worship by spiritually extending themselves towards the heavens and placing their hearts where their treasure is. St. Cyril of Jerusalem in his uh, 23rd of 24 catechetical lectures um, wrote how this, this moment, this periodic phrasing, this call in response to this moment, calls us to devote ourselves to the principal matter of the sacrifice, this, this extending ourselves, right? And, and it's important that we extend ourselves because God is always extending himself to us through his grace. So we should reach for God. We, we should strive for God, right, who, who extends to us through his grace. So we extend towards God, and we do not extend. We do not reach towards sin. And this is what the source and coda is teaching us, what we ought to extend to. And why do we lift up our hearts? We're a heart. In the ancient language, is really a heart. When they mean heart, they don't mean you're just physically beating heart. Your heart is your very being. It's yourself. It's your essence. It's all of you. It's your very life. And so that's what we're lifting up to God. Why? Because we belong to God. We were created by him. And everything we are, everything we are, everything that we have, all that we have and all that we are is of God. It belongs to God. And so we lift it up to him. We lift up our hearts to him. So at this moment in our liturgy, after the offering, again, this is another acknowledgement of the offering that we're offering all of ourselves to God. We lift up our hearts to God, our very selves. 
And I'll close with this note. I didn't even get through probably half of what I wanted to say about the source of code. I could just go on. This is my favorite part. This is my favorite prayer of the liturgy, right? Not just because it's ancient, it's in every liturgy, because it's it's succinctly and simply says everything about um, this moment in the liturgy. Um, Because after this comes the climax, right? But St. Cyril said this, I want to read you this and then we'll go to a break and we'll begin talking about some theology of the body. So St. Cyril of Jerusalem, he says this about this moment, this moment he says, your heart's aloft. So he says, after this, the priest cries out. Notice he says, cries out. You may be at mass. You may be, you may have a priest. And, it, and it's sad that we treat this part of the liturgy so casually, right? Um, and we don't scream. Oh, I think if we really knew what's going on at this part of the liturgy, people on the street could hear us. And this is what St. Cyril is saying. He says, after this, he says, the priest cries out. Not that he mutters, that he speaks in a monotone language, that he, he he's barely audible, that he needs a microphone to hear him. No, he says, the priest cries out. Your hearts are aloft. Your hearts aloft. And then he says, for truly, in the most solemn hour, it behooves us to have our hearts aloft with God and not below, with the earth and earthly things. St. Cyril then says, it is then as if the priest instructs us in that hour to dismiss all physical cares, all domestic anxieties, and have our hearts in heaven with the benevolent God. Then you answer, we keep them with the Lord. Or what we say today in a Norris order, we say, and we lift them up to the Lord. He says, then your answer, keep them. We keep them with the Lord. Giving a sit to it by an, by an acknowledgement, which you make. Let no one come in here. St. Cyril says, then let no one come here. Then who would say with his mouth, we keep them with the Lord while he is preoccupied with earthly cares. So shame on all of us if at this moment during a sourcing quota, how boring it is oftentimes, not entertaining like we want to be entertained, that we just were saying, yeah, we lift them up to the Lord. Yeah, it's right and just. No, that's not what's going on here. This is the climax of what the what the sacrifice is all about because here we're making the offering. This one very moment is everything. So I want you to reflect deeper on that. And perhaps I'll I'll talk about this again another time. But for now, that's all I know about that. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. Next week, we will be hosting our quarterly share on Tuesday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central Time. 
The GRN is 100% listener supported and for only 16 days out of the year, you have the opportunity to be an active part of the GRN family by making a pledge of support for your radio station. Please pray for the success of the Sherathon. We are so very thankful that you are part of the Lord's divine providence, sharing of your prayers and financial gifts, which sustain the work of evangelization through the powerful means of radio. I invite you to tune in and join us next week as we share how Catholic Radio has changed so many lives for all eternity due to your support to keep your station on the air. This is Len Oswald, President of the Guadalupe Radio Network, with your GRN Family Minute. We are your Catholic Radio, radio for your soul. Keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. GRNonline.com. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back in to the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is Radio for Your Soul. And I forgot to mention, if you're in the Chicago area or not, or if you can just make it out Friday, that's September 10th, at starting around noon, we're going to be gathering around the Lincoln Park area outside the Bishop's Mansion, and there's going to be a rally for the coalition of uh, for council priests uh, father altman is going to be speaking there jesse romero is going to be speaking there jason jones and myself will all be speaking there and we're just drawing attention to um, council priests priests who have lost their ministry for i guess the only thing they did were they were just faithful catholics and they it, it, and that comes with a, a consequence these days but for now at this moment we have Miss Anna Githens on the show, who is um, formerly trained in theology of the body. But I want you to inter- I want to introduce you to her and have a conversation about um, John Saint John Paul II's teaching on the theology of the body. Anna, welcome on to Talking. Oh, this isn't Talking Catholic. This is David. O- welcome on to the David L. Gray Show. How's it going? Good. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's really a pleasure it. to have you here for sure. Yeah, thank you. And um, you're you're um, and you're located in on the somewhere on the East Coast, correct? New Jersey, yes. New Jersey, where all the okay. flooding was recently. <laughs> yeah, how's that going? <laughs> well, it, not bad for me, but unfortunately for some friends, it was not good. You know, they really got flooded. Some up to their first floors of their homes. Some lost oh cars. Goodness. Yeah, very bad. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, that's oh. that's amazing. We should definitely keep them in our prayers. It's hard. It's hard losing p- 
possessions, right? We try not to cling to possessions, but you know, you right. when like a natural disaster happens and these are things that you depend on for just your livelihood, your house, the first floor of your house, your car. That's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, that's man. It's very hard. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm starting to hear some of that Jersey accent come through. You know, I think you're the first person I've had on the show with that accent. Really? So congratulations. Well, I, was, I was raised yeah. in New York, so. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And I'm from the Midwest, so I can't really tell mm-hmm. the difference between a, a New York accent and a New Jersey accent. So that's um, that's just my dilemma. I won't hold it against you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. So, yeah, since so I don't want to introduce you too much. I just want to kind of you allow you to inter, you introduce yourselves uh-huh. to our audience. And so just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. And I guess bring us up to the point where you discovered the theology of the body. Uh, so it's it's been a long journey. Um if, if you were to have asked me 20 years ago, if I would be here where I am now, I would never have guessed it. But, um, you know, I was raised Catholic by uh, faithful parents. Um, I went to Catholic school, I, well, really Catholic elementary school. Um, I went to public high school and then Catholic college. So my faith waned a little bit over the years. Um, but I'll take you back first to the beginning. Um, my parents um, couldn't, they, when they got married, they wanted to have many children and they couldn't conceive for 10 years. So they decided wow. that they wanted to adopt and they went to all different adoption agencies and the, they didn't want to allow them to adopt an infant because my father was 35 years old. So back oh, then, okay. you know, it seemed older but so they decided how, time, how times have changed, right? I mean, how times have nowadays, changed, a lot of people right? aren't even having their first kid until they're 40. Right. So, <laughs> right. So yeah. um, my mother is a very prayerful person. I attribute my strong faith to her um, today. And she wanted to go up to St. Anne de Beaupre to pray for a child. And, you know, St. Anne and, and St. Joachim were barren. And, you know, there are a lot of yeah. miraculous occurrences and healings up there so they went up and they walked in a candlelight procession and they prayed for a child and when they got home that same week my father was at work he was a doctor and his associate said to him you know I know this young woman that's expecting and she was his patient and he knew the family well she was 18 years old and he said I she's looking for a family you know to adopt her baby so that was that was me and so my father you know my parents couldn't believe it it was like right after they got home and so then i was born on the feast of the annunciation which has nothing to do with me and mostly to do with my mother (laughs) and um then my parents conceived my brother a year later so after 12 years you know it was my biological mother and my mother's yes and it was beautiful, you know, it seemed that my brother's birth was a gift, you know, from God for following his plan. So today is, you know, a very special day. And um, my mother had me consecrated to the Blessed Mother and St. Anne, which 
she set the bar pretty high oh. <laughs> when I was young. <laughs> so, oh wow. You know, that's um, the beginning story. And then, um, you know, I went to uh, a really great grammar school. Some of the nuns were a little strict. <laughs> I mm. say that mildly. And then I went to, you know, I, at my insistence, I went to public high school. And then I went to um, Providence College, which is a great college, but my faith waned over the years and I was kind of a lukewarm Catholic, really, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, you know, there were, I really believed in God, you know, and I really prayed and I went to mass and, um, you know, then fast forward, I got married and I had three amazing kids, three boys, taught yeah. CCD. Um, so, but my, my husband and I went through a difficult time. Um, when we got married, we were, you know, very immature as most of us are, but, um, <laughs> it was, you yeah. know, a very tumultuous marriage and about, I would say 12 years ago, um, I was going through a really, really hard time. Um, I had the passing of my father and then my father-in-law which left like a really deep void in my life. And my marriage was coming apart, unfortunately. And um, I felt like really alone and afraid. And I just prayed so intensely. You know, I felt like I was on the edge of this abyss of darkness, you know? And I just prayed from my heart. You were talking about the heart earlier. And, you know, God really wants our hearts and, and he hears our prayers when, when we really mean them and we really trust that he's listening. So one week in particular, I was praying, you know, exceptionally hard for something. And I remember clearly one night, you know, begging God to help me. And in particular, you know, asking him how to handle some fallen out relationships in my life that meant so much to me. And I was, you know, praying the rosary and I was holding on to my divine mercy. And I was just saying, you know, Jesus, I trust in you. Like, Jesus, I trust in you over and over again. And I fell asleep. And upon awakening, I heard a voice very clearly. So I was listening to your conversion story, which was similar. And yeah. it's hard to express the significance that this moment had in my life and my faith journey. But it was a really like deep and calming voice. And the words I heard were only two, but they were be real. So wow. he was answering me, you know, how do I handle what's happening in my life? How do I handle these fallen out relationships? You know, what's happening in my family? And, you know, and I, I stopped and I just couldn't believe it for a minute. And I said, what? And then it repeated, <laughs> intensified, be real, you know? And I was like, whoa. So this is, a, this is an audible voice from without? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was within and without. It was all, it just yeah. filled the room. And wow. I remember thinking, my God, you're, you're listening. You're here with me. <laughs> you're like really paying attention to my life. Like, I, I don't know what I just 
didn't feel alone at all. And I felt his presence like never before. Um, I felt like he was truly my heavenly father and I was his daughter and he was holding me in the palm of his hands. And I just released all my troubles to him. And I just remember sleeping very soundly that night. And that was the life-changing pivotal moment for me. And I mean, God's love and mercy became very real to me at that moment. And I just wanted to know him more. You know, I wanted to learn as much as I could about my faith and about so would you, at, at, that, at that point in time, and, and we're speaking with Miss Anna Giffen, she's on the David L. Gray Show, Voicing Truth and Reason on Guadalupe Radio Network, which is Radio for Your Soul. And if you want to call in, um, you have a particular question for Anna about her her reversion to the faith or about the theology of the body, please call in at 877-757-9424 or drop a message on one of the streams. And so I was wanted to know, so at, at this time, so we're about to get into how you said you wanted, so after this encounter with the divine, mm-hmm. our savior, um, and you were just shocked or sort of like awakened, woken to the fact that he's really there, he's really present, he's truly does know you and cares about you and wants to be deeply engaged in your life. And so you respond to that by guess wanting to get to know him more and getting to know your faith deeper natural response right that i think that's the right yeah. response but here here to four because you were teaching ccd and stuff like that i think you were right um, i think your background i think you went into your full background but i remember after college you were like a stockbroker or something like that yeah and, well i was in um, bond trading yes yeah <laughs> yeah and so, for a while for um, seven years wow okay until the so, day before my first son was born. <laughs> okay, that's commitment. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. So, who were you here to for as far as like your faith goes? I mean, because you had, you know, you you know, you went to grammar school, but who were you faith wise? What, what, what did you know about your faith? How deep would you say it was? You know, I feel it was probably more head knowledge than. It didn't really make the journey from my head to my heart and really Mm. penetrate and fill my heart, you know, although, you know, I I considered myself very religious. I mean, I was, I mean, I was practicing, but, you know, it's that personal relationship with Jesus that makes all the difference when you are convinced that Mm. he loves you and he's with you. And he's trying to help you. And I think, you know, one of the, the biggest lies of our time, you know, that the evil one puts forth is that um, we're not worthy, you know, and we have to become good, you know, we um, by our own strength um, in order to truly get close to God, which is not true. It's, it's a lie. And, you know, because God wants to help us, he wants, he longs to heal us. And we need his grace. I mean, his grace is everything. It's the greatest gift in the world. And we just have to open our hearts. You know, Um, that's the biggest part is, is, you know, the Lord wants a contrite heart. He dwells with those that have a contrite heart. And, you know, even if it just 
cracks open a little bit, he'll do the rest of the work. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. What what part of your life do you think affected affected you the most by that encounter with Jesus Christ? Um, I just became more committed to living according to my vocation. Um, I, I really wanted to get to the truth of myself and my past and all the decisions I made. Um, I, I wanted to just become a better person. Um, I wanted, I wasn't afraid anymore of, you know, I think that's part of the fear with theology of the body um, or people are intimidated because they think they can't live up to the teaching maybe. Um, yeah. But it's so beautiful. It's so true. You know, when you hear the truth, it resonates in your heart and you want more of it. You want to learn it and you want to live it. You want to live it. And yeah, yeah. that's what I it think that's amazing that <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, they encounter God and they say, man, I, I want to get to know him more. You know, like I, you know, when I think I encountered him, I just wanted to follow him. Like, Hey, where are you going? I'm going to follow you. Then no, he's going, I was going to end up at the Catholic church, you know? Uh, yeah. But, and I think that's the response, but you wanted to just know more about your faith and not everyone goes and get a master's degree, right? Right. <laughs> but you would have got a whole well, master's degree in theology. And then you went and then you said, wow, you encountered theology of the body. And then you go get a, um, is, was it certificate or what was it in theology of the body? Yes. Yeah, so, certification. Um, yeah. Well, really quickly is, you know, I just, the Lord's presence was in my life so much and it just seemed like all these doors were opening and he was everywhere. And I mean, yeah. my next door neighbor was leading a retreat, you know, just when I needed to go to a retreat, which was great. And, you know, I went to confession and had this general confession, which was so healing and so beautiful. But I met somebody there, um, which is interesting, who was not Catholic. And she told me about oh, this God. evangelical Bible study. And I started going to it. It it was called Bible Study Fellowship. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's international. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. And yeah. I found myself at this like Protestant Bible study. And I <laughs> was in these prayer groups and I'm thinking, wow, these people really know how to pray. They really know scripture. This is amazing. And then I would say things about like, the apparitions, you know, I would talk about, you know, Our Lady of Fatima, and they were kind of looking at me like I was nuts. <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute, okay, this is quite different from the Catholic faith. I'm like, I really need to know, you know, learn my faith. And mm. I just walked into Seton Hall Immaculate Conception Seminary one day. And, you know, meanwhile, it was, um, my ex-husband's idea, believe it or not. So, hmm. you know, he said, why don't you go? And I went and I was standing there. I remember one of my teachers, a priest, I walked into a classroom and he must've seen the look on my face. And he said, what's wrong? Are you intimidated by the sea of black before you? <laughs> Meaning they were all priests. And I was yeah. thinking, what am I doing here? And then right after I walked in, there were other late students that came in 
so that I became oh, okay. really good friends with. Yeah. So, yeah that's and then that's how I learned about the algae the body took too. I took a graduate course there in the algae yeah, the body. Yeah. And so so you took it oh they had a, a whole graduate class on Yes. Theology of the body. Oh wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and so from there you go get a certification. So give us right. a, a little bit of background about what is the theology body. Uh, what was some of the some of the things that impressed you with it? And so just give us just a cursory. I know you have a a, a whole graduate course behind you and certification, right. and I know you can't give us all that in ten minutes. But do your best in three minutes. <laughs> oh, All right. So Theology of the Body is, is the name of um, Pope St. John Paul II's beautiful and profound teaching. Um, it was his first major teaching project of his pontificate. So he became Pope in 1978. He taught this from 1979 to 1984 to 129 audiences. There were catechetical addresses that he delivered to his Wednesday audiences. And, um, you know, it's all in a book entitled Man and Women, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. It's about, it's several hundred pages. Um, It's really thick. And you have to read the whole text and we have to do, you know, eight essays. We have to do an exam after every course. That's a hundred questions each. (laughs) So, I mean, I finished all my, my classes, but I still have to finish um, my practicum and my essays. So, and I, and I finished all the exams. So, but this theology, it, what it, it really does is it answers the question, what does it mean to be fully human? And how do I live my life in a way that will bring me true happiness and true fulfillment, basically? So um, it encompasses, you know, the whole of our humanity and existence and our relationship with God, our our heavenly father creator who formed and created us in his image and likeness from the beginning. Um, You know, who knows each one of us intimately and personally. And, you know, it just really gives us the truth of our humanity who we are, how it's basically how God sees us. It's his view Mm -hmm. of the human person. Um, Because, you know, Pope John Paul II spent hours in front of the blessed sacrament. And this definitely came from the Holy Spirit because it's just amazing. And, and it is just so alluring and awe-inspiring. And it's changed my life in so many ways. But it's basically theology of the body is is a call for Christians not to be more quote unquote spiritual, but to be more incarnational, to put flesh on the spiritual life. Um, Like we're not spirits trapped in a body. We're body persons, incarnate spirits. So that's probably something Christopher West said. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so that, Basically, I mean, St. John Paul II's thesis statement of theology of the body is the body, in fact, and only the body is capable of making visible the invisible, the spiritual and the divine. 
it was created to transfer into the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden. The mystery, <laughs> I know it by heart, but now I'm, I'm nervous. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just, I mean, just that part right there was, was beautiful. I was just caught up in yeah. just in that because just the reality that I, I don't think we think about that. You know, those of us who have been baptized, I mean, we truly do have the Holy spirit within us mm -hmm. uniquely yeah. at the liturgy. We can, we become, we eat who mm -hmm. God is conforming us to be. And then we're dismissed from the liturgy and in the world through our bodies, we can, bring him who we have just consumed into our bodies. So his mm -hmm. body living in us, we, he participates or he gives himself to the world as he gave himself to us through our bodies. And so it, it means just the, just the dimension that God came in a bodily form. We're bodily mm -hmm. and we can share him through our body. That's just like a great mystery that seems to be that. And I have the, the book theology of the body. I think I made it up to lecture 22, but, <laughs> um, but even just the beginning of it was what caught me so much. And it just, those just, I think those first 22 general sessions were just the, his phrase in the beginning, in the beginning. Why is that? Why is that so important? And why does John Paul II keep taking us back to, um, the creation event with Adam and Eve? Why is that important? Well, it's, it's, it's very important because, um, and that's how John Paul II begins his work, um, because the Pharisees question Jesus about divorce, you know, in Matthew 19. And Jesus yeah. appeals to the beginning twice. And Pope John Paul mm. II, you know, references Christ's appeal to the beginning, because he's showing us who we were truly made to be before the fall. So, you know, we, you know, humans have a tendency to use original sin as an excuse, you know, for our weaknesses. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. Yeah. We say yeah, I'm, I'm perfect. only human, right? <laughs> so, but, uh -huh. you know, original sin, you know, harmed us tremendously. But God is calling each one of us to be the person we were made to be in the beginning. And through Christ, we have the grace to be that person. We have what mm -hmm. it takes. We have all we need to be who we were meant to be, who God created us to be. So, and as the catechism says, you know, the dignity of man rests above all on the fact that he is called to communion with God. Mm. So, yeah, that's you know, something I learned at Theology of the Body is the whole Bible summed up is not follow these rules. The whole Bible summed up is God wants to marry us. Oh, wow. So living the formal, the moral life calls us to a spousal covenantal relationship with God, which is very personal. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so we're speaking with Miss Anna Guyfins. Uh, she's going to show we talking about her, her reversion back to the faith. And now we're starting to dig in a little bit, just a little bit to the theology of the body, which was, gifted to us from the hearts and wisdom of our great saint john paul the second and we mm -hmm. have about i guess four or five minutes left so let's dig into just a little bit i'm going to definitely have to have you back on here we barely even touched the surface of what i think 
is some of the things that's this is just important to know. Mm-hmm. But let's jump into real quick just some responding to some of the things that we see in our culture today and see if there's something in the theology of the body that we can draw upon um, to respond to some things that we often hear, such as um, sex and gender are two different things. Like um, gender is sex is biological or and gender is psychological is, you know, does theology of the body have something to say about who we're created to be as yeah, well, I mean, that question is an example of why this teaching is so needed today. Um, because, you know, we have this dualistic notion of ourselves. Um, John Paul II said that, you know, enlightenment philosophy gave the modern concept of man his distinctive dualistic character. And in particular, Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am, which pretty much describes mm-hmm. our essence exactly backwards. <laughs> And, you know, (laughs) dualism is a false judgment of the self. And it, you know, John Paul II says it makes a radical contrast between spirit and body and between body and spirit. So when you talk about, you know, biological gender versus psychological gender, well, our biology includes our psychology. Our, Mm. and our body includes our mind. So you know, we're, you know, we aren't brains, we have a brain. Being comes before thinking. Um, someone described it, it's, you know, like we're, we've become minds on a stick, you know? That's not what we are. Mm. You know, the, the theology of the body says that the body and soul is one. And, you know, John Paul II is making a clarion call for man to rediscover the lostfulness of his humanity and want to gain it. So it's so important today to educate about this false perception of dualism, you know, that the soul actually gives form to the body. So, you know, the body is a window to the soul, like the eyes are the window to the soul. Um, So, you know, another problem we have today is, the advances in technology, or, you know, I should say, the intrusion of technology into every aspect of our lives. So we're, we're constantly like, scrolling, scrolling, going from, you know, one person to the other, one problem to the other, one post to the other. And it's this overstimulation. It's, it's just this too much information that we're trying to get a grip of. And we just stay up in our heads all the time. And we don't, have the ability to go deeper, you know, deeper with our beliefs. Um, Like that journey that that's needed from the head to the heart is so important. Mm. And it it infringes on our ability to really meditate and contemplate and be with God alone in prayer and to really let him speak to you about your vocation and who you are as a person it's gotten very difficult today because there's just so many distractions yeah 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 i want to definitely have to have you back on because i want to visit something with you see what the theology of body has to say about um you know some more common catchphrases we hear in society this distinction between the baby in a wound versus my choice right to not, mm-hmm. I just think there's a relationship between the body of 
the mother in the body of the child. And I want right. so we're gonna have to Kefka have you back on to talk more about this. Um, and I'm gonna right. try to read past lecture 22 so I can maybe understand some more. But speaking okay. about that, what is, what are some other resources that people do? You just recommend just getting the big tome from John Paul II as, as your starting place, or where do you where do you recommend people start if they want to know more about the theology body? Well. There are a lot of re, uh, resources. Um, there are several books that Christopher West has written that are excellent, um, but he's you know not the only one. Um, there's um, Bill Donahue is a senior lecturer there. They, they do podcasts. They do okay. um, virtual conferences um, sporadically where they have like fifty different people talking. Um, there's right. There's so much. There's there's podcasts. There's, you know, you just go on the Theology of the Body Institute, and there's a wealth of information there. Right. You can right. find whatever. And where you can want. people find out more about you besides, you know, you becoming a regular guest on the show? <laughs> <laughs> more about me. Um, I don't know. I, I I try to stay off social media, um, but I do a lot of blogging. I've been doing blogging. Um, I have for Renew America, Crisis Magazine. Um, yeah. Tumblr house. So I enjoy writing. Um, so you can check out those articles. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the David O. Gray show and the Gaithans. Um, I'll definitely have her back so we can talk more about this. Thank you. But thank you for tuning in, and I'll be back in two weeks. Next week is our share so make sure you help out Guadalupe Radio Network there. But in a couple weeks, I'll be back conversing with you again. In between time, make sure you visit me online at davidograda.info. But until then, until next time, remember, Jesus loves you and Jesus is there for you. Remember to live your life like salvation matters and may the abundance of the Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you.